Welcome to the Movie Planet. This week, we continue our look at the Star Wars franchise by checking out 1980s The Empire Strikes Back. With Joe. He's all yours, bounty hunter. No disintegration. And JC. The force is with you, young Skywalker. And Joel. Perhaps you think you're being treated unfairly? I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Han Solo to my Princess Leia. JC, I love you. Oh, thanks, pal. I'm supposed to say I know. I don't get it. God damn it. That's right. You don't like Empire. No, I don't. <laughs> so how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing okay. How about you? I'm alive and well. And joining us again is our protocol droid, C-3PO. Joel, how are you? You know, he could probably fit into the suit. I'm well. <laughs> That's a comp- I take that as a compliment. Yes. <laughs> this week, we are discussing the fifth chapter in the Star Wars saga, 1980s Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Story by George Lucas, but written by Lee Brackett and Lawrence Kasdan, and directed oh, by Irvin Kirshner. Oh, Kirshner, we miss you. Uh, starring Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Billy D. Williams. Hello, what have we here? Uh, Anthony Daniels, David Prowse, and Peter Mayhew, Kenny Baker, Frank Oz, Alec Guinness, and Jeremy Bullock as that guy in the... He's wearing the armor... Uh, has four lines in the whole film, but is such a big character in the Star Wars universe. What's his name again? Bo, Bo, Boba Fett. That's who. <laughs> <laughs> Worthless fucking character. Uh, made for an estimated $33 million and grossed $534 million worldwide. Not as much as Star Wars the original. Nope, but apparently it's the best movie of all of them. Got the most accolades. Has the <sighs> highest score. Because uh, apparently... Sadness and horror is good. Interesting part of this is that, you know, Lucas had the story in mind. He knew he had an idea of where he wanted to go. And I know that the sequel needs to be darker so that everything can be happy in the, in the third. I get that. Well, well, we'll get to all that. It's Lee Brackett. He assigned her to write the story because of how well she did with her last one. I can't remember what it was, but she he let her go off with some ideas. He threw some ideas and goes, write me a story, write me a script. And she did so, uh, but when he got the script, a lot of it wasn't stuff he could use because there was continuity errors in what he wanted to do. And she passed away from cancer one month before he decided to make the final script. He still put her as the credits of writing the script. That's really cool. Yes. And there's another George Lucas thing that he does, which is like you said, they're going, wow, that... He's just a nice guy. He is. You know, but that being said, some of her ideas, I guess, were used in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, In order to share creative rights, George Lucas decided to avoid using a major studio to finance this film. Instead, he bankrolled the $33 million production himself, 
using a combination of his profits from episode four and a bank loan. I did know that he he wanted nothing. He never wanted to be controlled by. He didn't even. I don't think he's joined the the Screen Actors Guild or the art. He hasn't joined any of those because no. he wants to be beholden to nobody. Although the move was risky, it paid off several times over. Lucas recovered his million dollar investment within three months of the film's release. He then showed gratitude far beyond the Hollywood norm by sharing the profits with his employees, nearly five million dollars in bonuses. Yeah, I believe that. Jeez. That human being of the year, right there. Uh, now, here's a Carrie Fisher story. Who doesn't love those? In the DVD commentary, Carrie Fisher relates that during some of the London filming, she stayed at a house rented from Eric Idle. Idle and the Monty Python crew were filming Life of Brian in 1979 at the time. <laughs> One evening, Idle had a small party, including Harrison Ford and the Rolling Stones, and served a potent liquor, which the Pythons had been distributing to extras on their film to help boost morale, that he referred to as Tunisian Table Cleaner. They stayed up most of the night drinking and having fun. The first scenes, the first scenes shot the next day were the arrival at Cloud City, which she says helps explain why she and Ford were so happy in those scenes. Idol is said to be pleased that he had a small hand in how the finished film turned out. <laughs> they were awesome. still a little drunk. <laughs> I didn't know that. No. <laughs> but I, wa- awesome. I watched it again this morning, and I saw that scene specifically, and there's a scene after they walk off, yeah. Fisher's got this big-ass smile on her face like, we just, we just ate the canary. <laughs> and she now, and that's, now that you point that out, she, like that character, Carrie Fisher, does not smile ever oh, in, this, no. in, in any of these movies. I think, the, I think the first time you see her teeth is this, the medal ceremony when she f***ed over Chewie. Luke is upside down at the beginning in the Wampa Cave, in yep. the middle training on Dagobah, and at the end below Cloud City, and he uses the force each time. And the final little bit here, during principal <laughs> photography, it remained unclear if Alec Guinness would return as Obi-Wan Kenobi, as he had just had an eye operation at the time. He finally did agree and worked just one day on the film. Wednesday, September 5th, 1979. He arrived at 8.30 a.m. and completed his scenes by 1 p.m., for which he was paid a quarter of a percentage point of the film's gross which was worth millions of dollars. That's awesome. (laughs) One day, not even five hours. (laughs) That's awesome. But if you look at all those scenes, it's like he's all in apparition. So he could, he could just done it on a green screen. Yeah. If they had those back then, I don't know if they were using them, but that's all the trivia for this movie that I could come up with that. I didn't think you would know. Fair enough. Did you know a lot of it or any of it? There were, I think, too, the 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 millions. I didn't know that he gave back millions. Okay. I knew that he had bankrolled himself. I didn't know he gave back billions. Yeah. And I didn't know the thing about Alec Guinness. Okay. Was this a movie you were looking forward to watching again? Joel? It was for me. Yeah. Because this is the one I always skipped over. What? Yeah. I And this is the one I always skipped over. And now, like, this is the one you said before. I forget which one you said, but you said one feels like a chore. This is the one, like... I have to watch this one to get to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. This is this one is a chore for me. I do not enjoy watching this movie. Cuz yet I did not have I didn't have these on DVD or anything until recently this past month. Yeah. So because I enjoyed watching it on TV whenever it come on, so it felt like a treat if it if I happened to cross the TV at the same time. But if it was a marathon, Empire was always the one that was on in the background while I was getting stuff done and Jedi is the one that I would sit and watch. Okay. So I was excited I, to actually watch this movie in its entirety and f- see it, actually. Actually watch it. Yeah, yeah. This, I, I'm pretty sure this is the first movie I saw in theaters. Not because it came out the first time, but because it preempted Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And at the time, as a small kid, immediately I went to Yoda. 
And yeah. that 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 was like my role model right there. And everything he says is like a fortune cookie wisdom, but at the same time, it's hard to argue with fortune cookie wisdom sometimes. It it really is. And he is very much everything he says, I remember I I'm pretty sure I had Yoda quotes all over my walls. Oh, I I quote Yoda at least once or twice a day. Yeah. Uh, judge me not by my size. I mean, I'm like, as a small kid, exactly. Don't do that. I, I use do or do not. There is no try so many times in a day. It's yeah. It's not even funny. Uh, but Empire has a very special place in my heart uh, because of that, because of that character in that movie and what he meant to me. So nostalgically, it was hard for me to pull that away from this movie and take yeah. it as seriously as I wish to do. So this is my, like... This is the one that you see all the cracks in. For me, it's hard for me to see the cracks. Yeah, so we'll have fun. Oh, we'll have some fun. As, as, I tear, as you tear apart my my man from Snowy River. <laughs> I, I tear, no, no, no. You I tear, can't compare Empire <laughs> and Snowy River. I just did. Oh, God damn. <laughs> Apples to oranges. Yeah, it's like well, you could watch Spirit or Shrek 2. I know more about Shrek 2. I know. <laughs> Okay, I'd about rather the, watch. Are we talking about the horse movie that got nominated for the Oscar that we were talking about earlier? Yeah, I never I, saw it. I'd rather watch Man from Snowy River than watch this. But it's Star Wars, so I still will watch it every chance I get. I, uh, it's weird. I I understand that that's weird. I will watch. I feel like I have to watch it to go through, but I don't like watching this movie. This time you have gone too far. <laughs> In this sequel to the previous <laughs> Star Wars movie, Episode Four: A New Hope. The opening crawl reveals that after the destruction of the Death Star, the rebels were forced to evacuate their base on the Yavin Moon. Or is it Yavin? I said that last time. Yavin. Yavin Moon. Fish. And the Shut up. <laughs> 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 the rebels were forced to evacuate their base on the Ye- Ye- shit. Yavin, Yavin Moon, and the dreaded Imperial fleet of the Galactic Empire has pursued the Rebel Alliance across the galaxy, forcing them to establish a secret base on the remote ice planet Hoth. Or is it Hoth? It's Hoth. What if it's Hoth? It's not. They pronounce it Hoth in the movie. What if we, we're going to make this a new thing? No, we Hoth. are not. I think it's probably a cultural thing. There you go. Okay, so the Dark Lord of the <laughs> shit, Darth Vader. There's no S-H-I-T. There is an S-H-I-T. Just They're in a different order. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I don't like you either. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Darth Vader sends robotic probes in search of the base and its commander and hero, Luke Skywalker. Okay, so we see the Star Destroyer ahead. We see it poop out these little things. One lands on Hoth. Thing rises up and then flies away. I mean, I'm intrigued. Like, I, I'm, I, I'm instantly like, ooh, what's happening? And the next shot is as, Luke, as I twirl to do like steeple my fingers. That's what it's called. Now, while Luke is patrolling near the base. He sees a meteor hitting the ground near his location. And he says, you know what? That sounds safe. Let's go over there and check it out. What's the worst that could happen? Well, I didn't get that sense, but... Well, he's going to go check out a meteor, right? That he's, he's talking to Han Solo. I would go check... If a meteorite just crashed in my backyard, I'm going to go out and check out the meteorite. Okay. B- oh. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you watched a science fiction film where a meteorite lands and it's just bad news every time you get near it? It's in my backyard. Okay, and, and I just saw it in Luke's de- in his defense. Luke did not live on Hoth. Hoth, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> See, it's a thing now. <laughs> Don't get technical with me. Uh, back. Okay, before he can ride his mount to the site on his little tauntaun, his claymation tauntaun, <laughs> he can mount his mount. It, 
He's knocked unconscious by an indigenous polar bear-like predator, the Wampa. Don't you hate it when you're knocked out by a pole while mounting? This scene scared the <laughs> shit out of me as a kid. And we've lost Joel. <laughs> we lost you a while back. This scene, this scene I'm just following the script. <laughs> this scene scared the shit out of me as a kid. What scene yes. are we talking about? The Wampa. The pole vaulting scene? No, the, there was no pole vaulting. You dipshit. Okay, I'll just move on. <laughs> I'm with you. No, I, when I was a little kid, I would turn away for this scene. Yeah. Yeah, it scared me too. Uh, and when they did the remake, when you actually saw the blood and all that stuff, I was like, this I, this was already scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I almost felt like that the remake cheapened it because seeing the Wampa made him less scary to me. I actually liked it when you didn't when you just saw the arm and you just saw the face. That was terror to me. Like I genuinely remember being terrified of that and I thought it was awesome. And the first time I saw the full Wampa, I'm like, Really? Yeah, it was a man that, in a suit. That, that's it. <laughs> like that that was a change I don't think needed to be made. Uh back at the base our smuggler pilot Han Solo announces his intention to leave the rebels and pay the debt he owes to the gangster job of the hut. Why did he not go right after he blew like, right after he got his medal? What the fuck was he doing or so busy with that he hasn't done this yet? Well, he was busy wooing Leia, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, clearly that worked out for him. Well, eventually. Eventually, yes. He was playing the long game. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> While knowing there's a huge bounty on his head. After Han discovers, th- oh no, much of the displeasure of Princess Leia. After Han discovers that Luke has not returned from patrol, he delays his departure and leaves the base to search for him on an ostrich-like creature called a Tauntaun. That actually is probably one of my more favorite scenes. Like when you genuinely see him, like the whole conversation where he's talking to the different guys. Did you see Commander Skywalker? Did you? How about you go find out? Or how about like deck th- officer? That, yeah, deck that, officer. <laughs> that that whole scene where he is genuinely concerned, like because you don't see concern from Han Solo. No, and, and the Han Solo he's breaking, and that was the first time like you see humanity from him. Like, wow, he he genuinely like he's gonna break down doors, and then he's like, yeah, and my friend's out in it, and then he just rides off. Like that was my like. That that is the moment where I fell in love with Han Solo, and I thought he was a really cool character. He's, I know people are like, "Well, wh- how not in Episode Four? No, that is when he was awesome. He's very Big Brotherish here. <laughs> he's very Big Brotherish. Yeah, we see a Big a, Brother there, and I'm okay with that. He's very protective of Luke. Uh, there's now the hallway conversation between Han and Leia. We could see what's going on. You know. Uh, 3PO just blocking him. Oh, 3PO, the ultimate <laughs> block. He is, and it's awesome. <laughs> Social another part, Another, like, I know we do the later on something you like. C-3PO and his blockage of Han's cockishness is amazing. 3PO and Han Solo, <clears throat> you don't know where it stems from, but clearly don't like, well, Han doesn't like 3PO. No, and 3PO is completely clueless to it. It like, just wants to talk to him. It's like that friend that follows you around and loves you and knows everything about you, and you can't stand that person. You're like, dude, stop talking to me. Like, I don't like, think he ever calls him 3PO at all. I think he keeps calling him names like Goldenrod and put the professor <laughs> in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and what's their very first interaction on Force Awakens? He interrupts him <laughs> when he's trying to talk to Leia. It's awesome. <laughs> yes. Hello. <laughs> You may not recognize me with my red arm. So, yeah, he talks about the feelings that he thinks that she has for him, and we don't know what's happening here. We just know that she's in denial. 
Yeah, cl- uh, clearly she's in denial. Like everybody can see that she does like him, but she's putting on a facade. You could use a good kiss. Who's great looking? <laughs> That's uh, such th- those. There are very a lot of quotable moments from this movie. It's like give Ghostbusters. Meanwhile, if only Luke, I watched it more than twice. Luke escapes the Wampa's lair using the force to retrieve his nearby lightsaber and wounding the beast. Also, a scene that I really liked because it was the first time you saw. Luke used the force because you didn't see like I know you said at the end did he make the torpedo move and like go down that mm-hmm. right angle or whatever but this is the first time you see him by himself Ben's not around and he grabs that and sends it in that's when you're that's when I was like oh, he, he he is using the force that's awesome he can do it by himself and for me you know as a kid I was like okay that's pretty cool I love seeing that and then you find out how it was filmed like they threw the Lightsaber into the snow, and then they played in reverse. Yeah, to show it happening. Yep. Uh, you didn't know that? Yeah, that's how they shot it. But also, how does Lurk learn how to use the Force if Obi Wan is dead? I don't know who Lurk is. <laughs> did I say Lurk? You did. How did Luke learn how to use the? <laughs> how did Luke le- learn how to use the Force if Obi Wan is dead? Because if it's strong enough in him, some and it's out of necessity, it just happens. Well, we're going to get to that with episode episode seven when Daisy Ridley uses it. Hmm. Uh, because it seems to me when he when he sees him as an apparition later on, a force spirit, he seems surprised to see him. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. So ben? who's been who's been ben teaching Kenobi? him how to use the force? Well, we know from the comics. We know holocrons. He, he's been grabbing those. Yeah. But at this point, if you don't read the comics, I was going to say, are we allowed to bring? I have done it in the past. Are we allowed to bring comics into this, or is this? I think just we can for knowledge base. Yeah. So I mean, how did he learn how to do all this stuff? Because of. Gratha the Hut or Gratha the Hut? What was the Hut? Gracchus. Gracchus the Hut. That was his name. Yeah, he had a big Jedi like. Like the museum of (laughs) all Jedi. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, he uses the lightsaber, cuts the Wampa's arm off, and another film, another arm falls off. Does that happen in all Star Wars films? Does somebody lose an arm? Well, let's see. Episode one, who lost an arm? The guy in the cantina. In episode one? Oh, in episode one. Phantom Menace? I mean, Darth Maul lost his legs. Yeah, I don't know. Lost his full torso. Yeah. Does that count as an arm, though? I don't know. Is there anything in a pod race? Did an arm get taken off? Nope. No. Jar Jar licks the. Now, episode two, thing. episode two, Anakin loses his arm. Yeah. Episode three. So it's just an appendage. An appendage is lost in every Star Wars film. Dooku loses two, two, two hands. And Luke. And a head. Luke loses all of his limbs. Or not Luke. Luke? Uh, yeah, sorry. I Lark? Said Luke. Yeah, Lark. Uh, Anakin. Lark Walker. Anakin loses all of his limbs in three. Yes. All right. I took us down a, a bad road. Let's go back. Okay. R2 and Chewie think that they've lost Luke and Han in the cold after they shut the doors. <laughs> this is a painful scene to watch as a kid because you're like, they're going to die. And then good old 3PO stops by with some great news, which is, hey, the chances of surviving a night on Hoth outside is 725 to 1. No, what he meant to say was the chances of not surviving the night are 725 to 1. Surviving, yeah. that, those are damn good odds, 725 to 1. That's true. I never, I never caught that. <laughs> and uh, Obi-Wan shows up in that little, ooh, you must go to Dagobah. He sees an apparition of his late mentor. Mentor? Mentor. Mentor. Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi, who instructs him to receive training from Jedi Master Yoda on the planet Dagobah. And everybody goes, Yoda, yay. <laughs> Except for JC, who thinks Yoda's a prick. No, in the, in the <laughs> early ones. 
Uh, well, it, the last time I we saw him, I will admit, yes, he was a prick in the first ones. Okay, in this one, I'm, uh, he makes me laugh. He does. I laughed the whole time, like when he's like, mm-hmm, and he's like fighting <laughs> with R two. That's I love that scene. I also love that scene. I would say hold on to the uh, the dickishness of Yoda because I saw it shown in this one that I didn't no! notice it before. Oh, it's child- more of the caring teacher than childhood crying. Being a- yeah, why was he so good with younglings? But he's such a dick to Luke. Because Luke, w- we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> he's too old, much like Anakin. Oh well, then we should just let. In him fact, go. much older than Anakin started. So clearly, I, I, me as a as a tiny nine hundred year old Force user who's more powerful than anybody can feel the power coming from Luke. But you know what? Yeah, he's too old. So I'm not going to teach him how to use any of that power. Just fuck him. Whatever he does with the power is good. So, um, <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> and then Ben goes away, and Han Solo and his Tauntaun. Waka, waka, waka. White Knight. Waka, waka, waka. Oh, this is going to smell awful, kid. Oh, boy. Han finds Luke and gives him shelter, using his own Tauntaun's carcass to keep Luke warm until he can build a sturdier shelter. This scene is disgusting. <laughs> I actually thought it was kind of cool. See, it's so fucking gross. <laughs> it's like it just guts open. It. Could you imagine this movie if it were under the, under the Disney regulations of no impaling? <laughs> it would have never happened. So much of this would have cut got cut out. <laughs> just when he opens up, you hear the sound that, and you see the intestines spill out. It, it's awesome. It's awful. And I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. On the outside. Well, that's the thing. It, when I was a kid, I didn't know what was going on because they never show it. And it wasn't until my mother was like, well, he took his insides out and then shoved Luke in there and then, you know, closed it up so he was inside the body. And I was grossed out forever. <laughs> well, when you say it like that, that is pretty But gross. then I saw, like, in the last year or so, they are making sleeping bags now in the shape of tauntauns. No. Oh, they've been doing that for longer than. Are the, they really? Oh yeah, awesome. I've seen those before. Yeah. Oh, because I was can, like, you can literally crawl into your own tauntaun, and the head is like the pillow. <laughs> You're like so laying cool. on the head. <laughs> oh my god! As it, your head is sticking out from its chest. The next yep. morning, wake up next morning, and we got Rogue Squadron. I found him. Repeat, I found him. Rogue Two has found him. Where's Rogue One? Well, clearly that died. Coming December 16th. Yes. Mm. <laughs> You're welcome, Disney. Pay us later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the two are rescued the following morning by a rebel patrol. Luke is taken to the medical bay to heal from the wounds he received from a car accident two years ago. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. From the Wampa. In his recovery room, he's met by Leia, Han, and Chewbacca. Han jovially reminds Luke that he's rescued him twice from certain danger. And here follows the scene that to everybody that saw it the first time was like, oh, that's cute. And to everybody that's seen the movie and then saw it a second time was like, this is the grossest scene ever of all time. (laughs) Go ahead, Joe. Okay. First of all, the back to tank always creeped me out also. The tank that got Luke inside of it where he's floating. Oh, yeah. I thought that was cool. The only thing right, because I was, I don't know if I had this fear or not, like it was like a, a total fear, but waking up being underwater would freak me out. You know what's funny is I talked earlier about how much I hate this movie, and so far all I've heard myself saying is, no, that was cool. No, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, clearly the later parts of the movie is what kills it for Probably. me. Probably. Uh, the back to tank, I thought it's a cool idea now, but back when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I don't like that at all. So you don't like water? As I, I, was, look, I was afraid to put my face as in, I look, in pool water until I was like nine. 
So, folks, to give you, I know he took a picture once and put it on the Facebook page, but right behind Joe's head, picture of the beach with water. Right beside our table, picture of the beach with water. You'll notice I'm not in either picture. Says guy that <laughs> hates water. No, 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 no. When I was nine, up until I was nine years old, I would not put my face in the water because I was just so afraid of it. Yeah. And so then I joined the swim team, and I was like, fuck it, it's great. It's so <laughs> scary to put your face in things that you don't know where they've been. I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to save that one. <laughs> now, here's the thing. You can fix this scene. This scene with all of them together, you can fix it, and it'll work. If you pause it at the part after he says, oh, I must have really hit her close to the mark there. You pause it right there, and then you just do a shot up of, uh, if you zoom into Chewbacca's face where he's laughing. Yeah. And then you zoom out, and Leia's now gone. She's stopped off. Yeah. You don't have to see the kiss, and it still works as a scene. That is brilliant. You could still make it work, and it, you, you would not lose anything. Why have they not done that? I don't know. But I was, cause I was like, how do you fix the scene? And I was like, well, you could do this and this and this. And it spent like 15 minutes like staring down the entire seven seconds of the scene. But I was like, this will work. They could do this. Easy. Disney, get your asses on this. Yeah, but that would mean somebody from Disney would have to listen to our podcast. And that's highly unlikely. Well, you don't know that. That's true. Um, yeah, so there's a great little scene there where Leia and Han are ripping on each other. And Leia calls him a, what did she call him? Nerf herder. But no, that's not till the ship. Oh, wait. No, that's, that's right there. Scruffy looking nerd herder. Uh, nerf herder. Yeah. Nerf herder. Yeah. Who's scruffy uh, th- looking? Yeah, that is. Okay. I thought that was on the. When he says, who are you calling scruffy looking? Everybody goes, that's kind of funny. He's taking that little piece out of the yeah. entire bit. But if you read the comics, him and Luke actually ner- herded nerfs on the Millennium Falcon at one point. Which is really funny. So he can't deny it. <laughs> I say you keep the kiss scene in there. Because it just shows how it shows the weird relationship between Han and Leia of just like taking jabs at each other without actually wanting to voice actual feelings. That's a, that is a good point. That's why it's my favorite. That's yeah. Because they're they're not the typical romance relationship that you have in any movie. Yeah, they are just very almost modern in that they will poke at each other trying to get the other one to flinch. Sometime later. When ground scans detect an object outside the base perimeter at Zone 12, Han and Chewie investigate and find an Imperial probe droid that transmits the location of the Rebel base to the Imperial fleet before firing upon Chewie and destroying itself. Han says something here which confuses me. I didn't hit it very hard. It's a fucking blaster. Are there, are there hard settings on it? There you go. I mean, that, I never got that. I don't know. I didn't hit it very hard. Like, I thought for a second there was a scene where, like, he was throwing snowballs at it or something. <laughs> I lightly tossed one. It just bounced off the, the hood of it. On the bridge of Darth Vader's massive flagship, we've seen Star Destroyers. Now we're seeing a Super Star Destroyer. Super Star Destroyer. And this fucker is huge. <laughs> hey, compensating. It's all right. The droid's transmission is picked up by Captain Piet, but his superior, the Fleet Admiral Ozzel, dismisses the, dismisses, <laughs> dismisses the message until Vader sees the transmission and realizes... It is the rebel base. He overrules Ozzel and orders the Imperial fleet to the hot system. These guys are awfully quick to contradict Mr. Vader here. Yeah. Have they not seen what happens if you disobey this guy? (laughs) Apparently not. Maybe we're that far removed. Maybe the Empire has been in in power for that long that the mysticism of the Jedi, the mysticism of the Sith and all this, it's just lost. Well, because let's be honest, is... The Emperor, like, throwing Vader up there as, like, 
This is the man that will come and chase you, and this is the man that that terrifies you of your dreams. Or is it that nobody ever really sees this guy? Or if they do, they're not going to live to tell about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so these officers not being scared of him and sort of like saying what they will, how many people in the Empire actually see Vader from time to time? Yeah, well, the people on his ship, so you're looking at a, a good number there. Yeah, but maybe this, maybe Vader's just recently come to this ship. It is a relatively new ship. Yeah. He does seem to hop back and forth between stations. Yeah. Rather quickly, too. <laughs> the, uh, he does almost headbutt General Veers in this scene, too. He turns around and goes, General Veers, turns this way, and is like inches from his face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, and I'm reminded of uh, Spaceballs when he does that. He <laughs> runs into uh, Colonel Sanders. Yep. Do that. <laughs> That's true. Later, as the fleet emerges from hyperspace, Vader is informed by his infantry commander, General Veers, that the rebels have set up infantry trenches and an energy shield to protect them from the, from the Empire's orbital bombardment. Ordering Veers to launch a surface attack, Vader is furious that Ozil has clumsily given away the element of surprise by bringing his ship out of light speed too close to the planet. And he communicates this displeasure to Captain Piet as he promotes him on the spot to Admiral while Ozil is given Vader's own fatal brand of reprimand. <laughs> the force choke. Oh, from afar. Oh, yeah. This isn't like, you know, sitting across from somebody. He's on a different fucking ship, it looks like. No, he's just in a different part of the ship. Okay. Now, is this a scene where we see the back of Vader's head? Yes. Or is that later? I thought this was that scene. But maybe, maybe. I think maybe it is. No, it's later because okay. it's when Piet comes. It's the first time Piet is Admiral, and he comes in to let him know something's going on. They've arrived someplace. They can't find he, the Falcon. They can't find the Falcon. That's it. And he comes in as the helmets is coming down. That's when we see the back of Vader's head. Okay. Um, yeah. They, Which, they, again, that's the first time, if you're watching the original trilogy, you learn that he's humanoid. Mm-hmm. The Now we get to... The big battle, the Hoth battle. Uh, that every Star Wars Battlefront guy has grown to hate because it's the <laughs> only thing you can do on that game is play that battle over and over and over again. It's the only one you can see anything on. Yeah. It's all white. The only problem I had with this, there's trenches everywhere. You don't know where the f- people are shooting you from. Nope. <laughs> this scene did produce some of the best toys that Star Wars came out with. The at-at. Yeah. The first time you see yeah. an at-at, you're like, this thing's badass. Did, yeah. you, did you ever see an at-at toy? Yeah. How big those were? Yeah. I did. I never had one, but I did see them. Yeah. They were like, that was like the biggest toy you could get at the time. And the snow troopers, the Hoth troopers, were the most popular uh, toys as far as Imperial and Rebel. Like, yeah. Those were the, the soldiers people played with. Although I'm pretty convinced that they used the same template for like Cobra Commander as they did with that. With the snow stormtrooper? Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> the, uh, on the surface, the Imperial forces land their ground assault troops, a unit over a dozen four-legged at-at walkers, which are the dumbest vehicles to do in a snow chase where there are trenches. Yeah. It's not practical. No, but they look cool. They look menacing. And that's the, the look itself, I think, is what the Empire capitalizes on because... Other- Fear. They've said it many, many times. They don't go for functionality. They go for fear. And I'm really surprised at how slow they walk. Why they couldn't you be like, okay, guys, we see them on the horizon. We got at least two hours, okay? Let's just pack <laughs> everything up and get the hell out of here. They were. They saw them when they first came in, and they were still packing up. Well, they see them, and then they, like, time, like movie time passes. 
And all of a sudden they're up close. And I'm like, what the hell were they waiting for? <laughs> they're waiting in the trenches for two hours. Hey, they had games to play, man. That's a sketch at some point on SNL. Pack, two guys pack. waiting in the trench for this. And it's going, <laughs> hey, why are we waiting here? There's, oh, they're coming. There's, when? There's, two hours. Maybe they'll address that in Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, apparently the armor is too strong for blasters, right? But a rocket launcher, that'll help. No, because that was an ATAST. That's the things in Rogue One are apparently not ATATs. I guess they'll get through it that way. Okay, so Luke leads his squadron of flying speeders into battle with his his buddy Dak. Oh, how you feeling, Dak? Oh, it wasn't ATAST. It was ATACT. Sorry. How you feeling, Dak? Okay. Right now, I feel like I could take on the entire empire on myself. I know how you feel, man. I know how you feel. <laughs> Too bad you're going to be dead in two minutes. Dead Dex immediately shit. And this is where the movie just takes that turn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's been good. The, th- the quick thumbs down if you all can't see us from your podcast. <laughs> Everything from here on out is just shit. Aside from, you know, Luke almost getting murdered by a giant cookie monster on Hoth. It's, it's pretty negative. There's no yeah. positivity anywhere. Everything is just very sad. And so I but again, you have to paint this picture to want the good ending in the next movie, spoiler alert. Too bad you didn't get that in the third Captain America. It was supposed to go to shit in the second one, but did it get better in the third one? Nope. I'm not the one to ask. <laughs> Joe? I am. <laughs> it was a fantastic. Almost like Fantastic Four good. And it was a <laughs> It was a spectacular (laughs) (laughs) dual movie in that it did the ending of the trilogy of Captain America, which was him finally going off on his own away from government, which he was totally all for, and also filling in the role of a middle chapter of the entire Avengers piece where now we're in the worst spot imaginable. Because at the end of Return of the Jedi, you go, there, I just turned his mic down. (laughs) <laughs> but at the end of Civil War, you don't feel happy because oh, that's okay. the same thing. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> now that we can't see any more rainbows in Star Wars, uh, you can after Luke. De- oh, we'll trust me. We'll get to your favorite Return of the Jedi, and I'll just beat the <sighs> shit out of that. No, okay. I'll treat it like Snowy River. <laughs> I'll treat that movie like Snowy River. Um. Realizing that their blasters cannot damage the heavily armored walkers, Luke devises an attack plan that has a squad using their towing cables to bind the legs of the walkers to trip them. Now, was this his idea or Wedge's? Yes. Okay. I think it was Wedge's. <laughs> yeah. I say Wedge. We'll go with that. Um, which Spider-Man uses in Civil War to knock down uh, Ant-Man. Yeah, I don't remember the scene. Oh, how about that? <laughs> Keep talking about things you don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I know because they weren't worth remembering in the first place. How do you, oh Jesus? How do you forget the airport scene? <laughs> I'm not going to get sucked into this. I'm not going to get sucked into this. It's a good day, it's Sunday, it's sunny day. A few walkers are destroyed, but the Imperial forces eventually overpower the rebels and destroy the generator, powering the energy shield, capturing the rebel base. Han Solo, Princess Leia, Chewbacca, and Goldenrod flee on board the <laughs> Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Luke makes it back to the base after personally destroying one of the walkers and speeds off in his X-Wing fighter with astromech droid R2-D2. Where did the blockade go? Well, that, they were <laughs> firing the ion cannon. I know, but when, R, when Luke and R2 get up there, it's gone. No, because they're clearly not the last people to leave. I know, but the blockade should still be there then. Or they just 
flew to another part of the planet? I don't know. That's nitpicking, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you were going to something? Well, I, was, I had two questions. Yes. So, when Luke destroyed his at-at, why did the leg have to fall to the side? Like, what? that was one thing that always bugged me. When Luke's at, because he, he throws the bomb in there, he cuts it up with the lightsaber, the head blows up, and it has all the fi- the pretty colors. Yeah. Well, he just buckles. The left back leg, the foot just goes, and then falls over. I never noticed that. Yeah. Like, it's the weirdest, like, physically. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> when I was like, younger. obviously, what actually happened was the model just fell in an awkward angle, and mm-hmm. like because they only had so many models, they're not going to remake it. So I get why it happened, but just like that always struck me as funny. Like, yep, my leg's going to turn up and be twisted and then fall. This is like Stan Winston's uh, stop motion in this yeah. is really fucking good. Oh, it is. It's great. It's amazing. I'm just like, really, like. Okay. Now, when I was younger, when Luke goes up there and throws the grenade inside, yeah, I didn't know there was a grenade when I was younger because it looks eerily similar to his lightsaber. And I thought he threw his lightsaber in there, and the lightsaber did all the damage. Oh, that's what, that's I, that would have been cool. That's what I thought it was because uh, you see I, like rainbow lights, and I was like, oh my god, the force is destroying an at-at. And then I found it was a grenade, and I was like, oh, that's not as cool. Well, the second <laughs> thing that I wish would have happened, when Vader enters as the Millennium Falcon is flying out... How badass would it have been if Vader would have just gone and just held it with the Force? Like, just held the... I know that he couldn't do that because of the storyline and all that. But tell me how cool that would have been to just see Vader with his hand outstretched holding the Millennium Falcon in place. Yeah, yeah. That it would be that would really be cool. really cool. We're stuck in a tractor beam. No, we're not. And they look back and and it's and he's he's not even exerting like pressure. He's just standing there like while his men get ready to go up and like invade the ship. That would have been awesome. Listen, if Yoda can't hold up a pillar, Vader's not going to be able to pull in the Falcon. No, I get that. I'm just saying. That would be cool. But then he did struggle with an (laughs) X-Wing. Sometimes I wish our listeners could see Joe's faces. Because he just gets so angry so instantly with his facial expressions. (laughs) It just isn't fair. That's about right. <laughs> that that one right there sums up his facial expressions right now. No! In space, <laughs> Han discovers the Falcon's hyperdrive is damaged, because it always is, and it cannot escape the Imperial blockade in space. During the confusion, John Williams' music takes over. They enter the nearby Hoth asteroid <laughs> field, pursued by four Imperial TIE fighters. Han Solo pilots the Millennium Falcon deeper into the field, and the four pursuing fighters are destroyed by the flying rocks. Han lands the Falcon inside a crater on one of the larger asteroids to hide and make repairs. This music is my favorite music in all of Star Wars. It is It is pretty good. It's not my favorite in all of Star Wars, but it's, it's pretty good, and I love how... I'm going to try to get closer to one. What? <laughs> <laughs> Never tell me the odds. There are so many good lines in just that five-minute spot. Yeah, there are. And the music itself is uplifting, and it's very operatic. What? It is not uplifting music. Sure it is. No, see, I very much got the sense from that music that, holy cow, we're in danger. Like, you have to get us out of here. And, like, Chewie is screaming, like, "Ah!" and, like, the explosions are happening. That is not happy, uplifting music. You're getting uplifting and happy happy mixed up. When I say uplifting, I mean it's getting you pumped up with this whole thing. Okay, there is an... There is an... 
Okay, there is an urgency, but uplifting has a positive connotation to it. There is nothing positive about. There is a oh sh. We're fucked and we have to go. So yes, I agree there, but it is not uplifting, happy music. Yeah, that's not happy either. That's sad. That's romantic. It depends on how you associate it. No, that's the music. That, that, that they sounds play. sad. To me. I know it's it associated with with Han and Leia. Which is when do they play that? When they're about to rip Han and Leia apart. Yeah, that's happy. That's happy romantic. God damn it! <laughs> you just they're all opinion words, man. <laughs> Don't fail me again. I just you can't. Uh, I just. <laughs> Hey, you're the one that wanted me back for this episode. <laughs> I, you're damn right I did, and this is why. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Luke and R2-D2 make a crash landing on the swamp planet of Dagobah. <laughs> that was me reenacting the crash landing sequence. <laughs> I love how, like, like now that they heard that, that probably just sounded like me panting really awkwardly. And <laughs> JC's working and, himself and, under the table. And, right and, and, un- and uncomfortably, <laughs> but that was me trying to, like, reenact Luke's panicked, freaking out because branches are hitting his windshield. So, Because that's scary when branches hit your windshield. Not if asteroids. You, if you don't know if they're coming, it's all fogged up. I was I was being legit. If a branch... You were not. You were being picky. That's what... Like, oh, 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 branches. <laughs> that is definitely not how I looked when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they crash land because if you're a Skywalker, that's how you land all your vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> and Luke gets out Jumps across to the other side. R2 gets out, gets knocked into the water. Now, good thing R2's got those little rockets on his shoulders. He can just fly out of the water, right? Nope, not anymore. What happened to those? Fire and water don't mix that great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He gets eaten, it appears, and then spit out. And that was gross. Like this, yeah. There's a line that is taken out of this. Okay. Because in the original... Luke Skywalker says, it's a good thing you don't taste good. Oh, yeah. I do remember that line. Is it's that not a, in the new movies. Is it not? No, it's not. I missed that. They took that out. That's I don't know why. That's the mystery. Nobody either. knows why that was taken out. Good thing Troids don't taste good. Good thing you burped into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I did that while I was talking. But we then, can edit that out later. Doesn't R2 like, throw up? Yeah. Mud? He like <laughs> spits it out of his... Uh, not his wiener hole, but the other like <laughs> his wiener. What the hell? <laughs> his magical his eye. His magical no. His magical wiener that he plugs into everything that he's magically able to fix all problems everywhere with his magical R two wiener. That's it. I said that in the last podcast. That's in his torso, though. This was in. His I know. Head. I'm saying it wasn't the wiener. It was the thing up by. Yeah, I did say it was up by his eyes. I was here last week, and I don't remember that wiener. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> That's all right. All of my friends heard it from my Destiny friends. They thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I remember me mentioning that that one guy's nose looked like a nine-inch uncircumcised dick. Yeah. I remember that one. Oh. Okay. The world is ruled by R2 and his magic penis that fixes everything. It, seriously, he sticks it in every this hole. Is in, not, this is not a Bond I, movie. I remember he now. sticks it in I every hole in the, in the movies. So it's saved the as, day. as soon as he sticks it in the hole, it's all, everything's all better. Huh. <laughs> 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 Luke meets a wizened green little creature who acts obnoxiously, demanding Aww. to keep... Was that a compliment to me? Demanding to keep... <laughs> 
No! It... Demanding to keep a small power lamp of Luke's and criticizes the rations Luke eats. <laughs> this is Yoda. We all know who he is. Luke has no idea, so we're all in on the joke. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and Yoda plays the fool amazingly. He does. Just everything. Like, when he climbs into the, b- the box... It starts throwing shit out of it. <laughs> oh, you're making a mess? Oh, oh. Uh, yeah, it's all great. He's, well done, Frank Oz. Well done. He says a line in this that I use in classrooms all the time, which is, ah, oh, can't get your ship out. Oh. <laughs> I can't. I don't have a pencil. Oh, I can't get your ship out. <laughs> How many kids don't get it? Oh, none get it. How many kids think you said something else? Oh, no. They don't hear shit out. No. <laughs> <laughs> Use a <the> suppository. <laughs> JC pondered that idea. Uh, so Luke tells him, hey, I'm looking for a warrior. And Yoda's first bit of advice, wars not make one great. Nope. And And watching that, watching the prequels, and then hearing that line, it's like, Ooh, that line is a whole lot more personal than the first time you see that when you just watch the original trilogy. Yeah. Someone's learned something. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then Yoda, well, this little green guy, claims to know this Yoda guy and where he is. So, hey, come on over to my hut. Let's eat some shit. Literally. It looks like shit. I mean, it doesn't look like beef stew. Nice brown diarrhea. Oh, God. Like, what was he cooking in that thing? You saw the animals there. Yeah, they're all dark brown. Yeah. <laughs> land of turd. <laughs> hey, it's Dagobah. Maybe it means turd in Star Wars. Just you think? What's, any, what's the like? Now I'm drawing a blank. What's the no? Star Wars has its own language. What is the language? Shiny. No, you're not helping me. Mud hole. <laughs> My home. This is. <laughs> <laughs> what's it called? Patience. From the science teacher standpoint, I mean, you're not going to have a lot of bright, vibrant vegetables when you're living in a swamp. Probably not. So you're just going to have the animals that you have. Arabesh, that's it. Arabesh. In the water that you have. Therefore, it's just chili. You have chili. Chili water. Chili water. (laughs) There you go. Some beans. Uh, Meanwhile, the Star Destroyer, Avenger, moves through the... Oh, Avengers. Hey, your favorite. Uh, I do like Avengers. Well, you should like this last Civil War movie. It was like Avengers 3. Uh, yeah. Moves through the massive, wasn't in good. Master, massive asteroid field, searching for the Millennium Falcon. A group of TIE bombers moves across the massive asteroid where the Falcon is hiding. You heard massive ass, didn't you? You sick. Um, and they're using high-yield concussion bombs on the surface trying to scare out the Falcon. The noise awakens Leia, who has fallen asleep in the cockpit. So while- that's what you do when you're in a dangerous situation. Take a nap. <laughs> this did scare the shit out of me when I was a kid, though. When it lands on the windshield? The first time the Wynok yes. hits. Yeah, it scared me, yeah. too. So inside the asteroid ca- uh, cave, Han Solo and Leia start arguing while repairing the ship, eventually leading, leading to a tender kiss. Uh, to which C-3PO ah. blocks again. <laughs> again. I'm nice, man. If you look at that scene and the way that scene is written, what if they had used a scene like that on the balcony in Revenge of the Sith? Uh, I'm not sure it would have worked. Yeah. It wouldn't have worked at all. Well, they were, real, they were really screwing, so I mean, there's real on-screen chemistry, so that works. Yeah, yeah, but still. So that's, that's what would have fixed the prequels, if Portman and Christensen would have just actually been fucking. 
You know what affects the prequels? Get rid of get rid of three PO and R two. Get rid of Anakin. What? Get rid of Christensen. Get rid of R two and three PO. You can't say that about R two. Three PO. I'm okay. You could take those two characters out of that entire thing, and it wouldn't make a difference. Except he is the only one that saves them whenever they're leaving Naboo. You could have, you could have had another R two unit do it. Why have R two D two do it? Because we got to introduce R two D two. You don't have to. You can introduce him in the in the fourth movie. Apparently, the entire series Can't you? is centered well, around R two. Yes, you can. See, well, that's a thought because he's in every movie. Even though I think this movie is completely centered around Han. I think this is this Han's is, movie. This is the oh, Han yeah. movie. Yeah. Okay. At the same time, Vader orders the Star Destroyer Avenger to search the asteroid field for the Falcon. Despite its captain's assumptions that <laughs> that the ship was destroyed, Vader later confers with his boss, the powerful Galactic Emperor Palpatine, about a new threat to the Empire: the Son of Skywalker. They don't say Luke Skywalker this time in the new ones. They say the Son of Skywalker. Darth Vader suggests that if he could be turned, he would become a great ally to the Imperial cause. And the Emperor asks, "Can it be done?" And Vader simply refi- replies, "He will join us or die, my master." Now we know we know that that's a powerful statement. We also know that Vader is playing Emperor now, yep. because in the comics he knows well before the scene that that's his son. Yep. So, at knowing it from that vantage point, I'm kind of like, all right. Does the Emperor know Vader knows? Well, yeah, it's a mind. Fuck. Yeah. So when Anakin dies and Vader takes over, does he suppress? Is there a point in time where he just completely forgets that he has that he had kids, or no. how, what is his mindset? Does he think that they're even alive? We, we don't know, but my understanding is they metaphorically say that Anakin was killed. He still has all of Anakin's memories, and I think the reason he still needs to have all of Anakin's memories is that is the hate that gives him power. If he forgot Anakin, then where's his anger come from? Where it, does his hatred come from? He he needs to remember being Anakin in order for him to have the power of the dark side. He is a tortured soul because he has all those memories. In fact, in Lords of the Sith, they get an entire part in there where he's remembering all these things that he had before. In order to be powerful and like fight off a bunch of beasts and things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he, I mean, that Vader has an end game that he has to wait to play out. And so much like the emperor and his, I mean, star Wars is all about the long game. Yeah. You know, the emperor played a pretty long one, <laughs> 25 years. It appears. Yep. Uh, and Vader also knows that he, he has to exercise the one thing he never had as a Jedi, which is patience. Yep. And that helps. Tor- that's the torturous part of him. Also knowing that he can't do anything right now. And he's, He's in a rough place. Yep. Um, while at Yoda's hut, Luke quickly grows impatient, hits his head on the ceiling 16 times, apparently. Uh, oh, he, he, 16 sucks. takes he had to do that hit the head on the ceiling. Oh, oh that sucks. Yeah. Uh, wanting to meet Yoda immediately. We're wasting our time. A petulant child. Yep. <laughs> the small creature begins to talk to the spirit of Obi-Wan. What does he say? I cannot teach him. Saying that Luke is too old to begin Jedi training. Where have we heard that before? Hmm. Last time Yoda talked to a Skywalker, actually. Mm-hmm. Apparently the Skywalkers just are always late to the party. <laughs> <laughs> but they always end up being the, the biggest hit of hit at the party. Yeah, but also the biggest villain. That's true. 
which could be why Yoda's like, not this one, because we yeah. know there's another. Yeah. Um, you know there's another way? Yes. Okay, just making sure. Do you know who the other is? I'm not going to spoil it for the listeners. Okay. <laughs> or act like I know. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that Luke is too old to begin Jedi training and that he hasn't learned the patience a Jedi requires. Luke realizes that the creature is Yoda himself. Yoda insists that Luke harbors much anger like his father, Anakin. Obi-Wan assures Yoda that Luke will learn patience and will complete his training. And Luke tells Yoda that he's not afraid, to which Yoda gravely replies, You will be. Leans in. You will be. (laughs) And he's never looked scarier. (laughs) He's got these dead eyes and... You're wondering, like, if the puppeteer just took a break at that minute with the <laughs> eyes, and they bonk, just went down. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a really cool reveal. If you've never yeah. seen for one, two, and three, yeah. If you have seen one, two, and three, then you recognize the reveal for Luke and how far he has to go. Yep. And now we get a problem, a major problem that I'm going to call out, and I know JC will appreciate this because he doesn't like this movie nope. as much as the others. We'll yep. give it its credence. And that is, there is a time problem in this movie. In that the Millennium Falcon is gone for what seems like a week. Yeah. Luke appears to be on Dago for, for at least two months. Yeah. So, I think, I'll be honest, I, I wondered if you somebody was going to bring this up. I think they fix the Dagobah thing when they go to Cloud City. I think they are in Cloud City for a long, for time. A long time. Well, if they were, I mean, because <clears throat> the Imperials arrived just before they did. Yes. So. And I think they're there for at least weeks. Well, if that's the case, why did the Imperials move in the first weeks? Because they're still trying to, they're still trying to set up a trap for Luke. Okay. And it may take, yeah, I, I think that's where they fix the time. The crew of the Falcon, after getting rid of some annoying Minox, discover a frightening truth. What they lo- thought was a cave is actually the esophagus of a giant space slug. Yay! That's a cool scene. That puppet. I'm glad they kept the puppet in the special editions. Okay. The, the family guy. Edition. You can't say you didn't like that scene. I, I can't say I like it. It's so. But in the, they get the, the teeth and. The family guy edition makes this scene so much better. Where <laughs> <laughs> Peter walks in, he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hold on. <clears throat> One moment. <laughs> a lot of, shooting. lot of moisture in here. <laughs> So you really didn't like the scene? It's not that I didn't like it. I just, uh, it, it was something I just had to get through to get to the end of the movie. It's really not the most necessary scene, except yeah. for to add a little bit of flair to help you remember that Han Solo and Leia are still there in the movie. I think it serves a purpose. Well, hold on. I like that. I think it serves a purpose to thematically show that no matter where they go, they are in danger. No matter where they go, they are in danger. Okay. I will agree. But I'll also say, like, you can't just have them sitting at, sitting at one of the bars in Tatooine. Just <laughs> you're like, I wonder what Luke's up to, because that would have gotten <laughs> cut. And then at right. some point, you would have said, "Oh, where's Han and Leia and Chewie and every other character in this movie?" So you, yeah, you have to put something in there. Yeah, there's no break for these people. They 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 escape into the crater, but they escape into a bigger problem again. So they have to keep out of the frying pan into the fire. Ooh. Yep. Little, little hobbit it also you. shows you just like the vastness of this universe that mm-hmm. it's not just on these planets. There are weird things everywhere, even in asteroid fields. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say the slug wasn't cool. I just... Not like I get excited. Oh, I'm going to watch this scene. 
Yeah, okay. I saw it. Now let's Don't move on. Don't give in to hate. I'm not? That leads to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, JC. <laughs> I'm Dagobah. Who's been laughing more during this podcast <laughs> than anybody else? I'm Dagobah. Luke <laughs> undergoes Yoda's rigorous lessons about the metaphysical nature of the Force, involving levitating objects, performing acrobatic feats, and meditation to promote calm and see possible visions of the future. So apparently what Yoda feeds him is pretty good for nourishment for all this exercise. There you go. Yoda brings Luke to an old, gnarled tree that sits atop a cave. Yoda tells his apprentice that the cave is powerful with the dark side of the Force and that Luke must explore it. Somewhat distrusting of his master, Luke takes his lightsaber with him. Inside the cave, Luke encounters a vision of Darth Vader, which he fights. Luke cuts off Vader's head with his lightsaber, but then the mask bursts open, revealing Luke's own face behind it. The cave is another test, one that carries a warning for Luke to control his impulses and anger, or he'll end up like Vader himself. This was, one, this was one of those weird scenes when I was little that I couldn't fully comprehend, mm-hmm. and I think is what made the movie dark for a child. Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I also didn't know what was going on. When I first, first saw, this, I saw this, the first thing I thought was, why is his face in it? Because I didn't know at the time the reveal. Yeah. Then when you see the reveal, you're like, oh, I get it. it they're revealing that that person inside is a Skywalker. That's what I thought the reveal, reveal was. As I got older, I was like, no, it's about the choices that you make. Yeah. That can turn you into that. So I went to three different phases of this scene because as you get older, you interpret this very scene very differently. I and agree. It's the, I think it's one of the only scenes in the Star Wars saga that can be reinterpreted so many different ways because of how vague it is. So I can appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the bridge of the Avenger, Darth Vader get, gathers a small group of intergalactic bounty hunters, the most feared of whom is. This guy in a green suit and a helmet. Don't know why. Uh, you really don't like Boba. He's he's a he does nothing. I I'm not arguing with you. It's just your hatred for him is kind of funny. To I me. want everybody out there to feel my hate for this piece of shit. So does that mean I get the Manda- Mandalorian? No, because it's got the Back to the Future involved too. Kirk, yes. Uh, and be, and besides. Just because it's Mandalorian armor doesn't mean that Boba Fett was a Mandalorian. Let's keep in mind, he was born and raised where? Camino. Camino. He's a Caminoan. Yeah. Aha. What if he drove a Camino? <laughs> An El Camino? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Like That's that. the next shirt. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so you meet our Boba Fett for the second time if you watch the holiday special, but the first time in the original trilogy and the... Third time, if you've watched everything, including Attack of the Clones. Yep. (sighs) Vader promises them a large payoff if they can find the Millennium Falcon. These bounty hunters aren't too quick on the draw because the only one that does catch them is Boba Fett. Yep. Using a technique he learned when he was a kid. Aw. Remember, Obi-Wan hides on that asteroid. Yep. That's where Boba Fett supposedly learns this trick. There you go. Hmm. In space, and now, oh, when you first, what'd you guys think of the, Boba, the uh, bounty hunters? I, uh, forgettable. Forgettable? It's not quite the cantina? No, it's not. And I, I think it was meant to be the cantina. It was my favorite toy. Well, that and the, no, it was. I had the Boba Fett ship, and that was my favorite the slave one. one? Yes, and I was so protective of that one. <laughs> if anyone would play, I'm like, no, 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 that one's mine. So I loved <laughs> I loved Boba Fett. Oh, good. 
I can but piss I think you off now. But I think it's because like <laughs> I, I didn't have to know anything about him. He just looked cool, and you were a little bit afraid of him. Yeah. But now, did you see the new movie? Yes. Did you like Captain Phasma? I like the whole movie. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of people got onto Captain Phasma, the Silver Stormtrooper. Yeah. Because they were like, she looks so cool. That's our next Boba Fett. And when she didn't do anything, all these Boba Fett lovers turned on this character hypocritically saying, oh, she was worthless. She didn't need to be in there. And neither did your character. Yeah. True. <laughs> That's true. In fact, if you, when, when we get to Return of the Jedi and you see how he dies, you're like, wow, he truly is worthless. Yep. It's just a, it's another way that media and... Every media and people that write articles can completely take something that is nothing and turn it into something. Yeah, yeah a big thing. So what you looking at over there? I see you studying something on your screen. I'm reading. Reading? Yeah. What are you reading? The script. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I was just reading ahead. Um, <laughs> planning your next attack? <laughs> oh, boy. In space, once again, they are chased by a Star Destroyer. But Han evades pursuit cleverly and stealthily. After soaring into an attack position, he flies directly over the bridge of the Star Destroyer and hides the Falcon on the massive ship's surface, attaching, it, attaching to it with the Falcon's landing claws. And I agree with Leia when she says, you have your moments. You have your moments. And that was one of those, that was cool. I yeah. am very happy I got to see that that was cool. Uh it's cool to see it on the side, but you kind of wonder what kind of monitoring they have on the Star Destroyer that they can't see something that's right in front of them. <laughs> it's literally attached to them like a moray eel. Yep. Um, Luke continues to train with Yoda because time has stopped, uh, but is interrupted by his X-Wing sinking deeper into the swamp. Luke, ever the doubter, tries to use the Force to get it out of the swamp and is successful for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> before his focus fails him. He claims that it can't be done. And Yoda drops the mic on his ass, lifts it out of the swamp, proving to Luke that if you remain calm and focused, anything can be done. Luke that, says, I don't believe it. And Yoda says, that is why you fail. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. I do, I do love that scene. Uh, it, 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 the music itself swelling, the, the look on Luke's face seeing something like this, because the whole thing is, it's too big. And Yoda's just sitting there on the side, just like, you too big. Eight feet taller than me. Put it down. And uh, it, I, I think that if this scene was made in the 2000s with the prequels, it would have gone faster. But for the dramatic sake, they made it go slower. I'm okay with it going slower. I think it's pretty. I think it's a really pretty scene. I think it's the only scene after Hoth that is positive. Okay, I can't even say this, but it's not because Luke has failed again. No, but Yoda just gave him the lesson for how to succeed by showing him how to fail. No, he got the ship out of the water. Right, but That's we not failing. That means he did it. He showed him how to succeed. He explained to him why he's failing because he doesn't believe he doesn't. He and lacks once the belief. you know why you fail, then you know how to succeed. If you have the proper teacher, yes, which Yoda was. On the Falcon, they go undetected while Han figures out an escape plan. He surmises that the fleet will dump their refuse before jumping to hyperspace, and they can float away with the garbage. Han checks his navigational log and realizes he's been in the area before, and that a planet called Bespin is nearby. 
Han's escape plan works, and he sets course for Cloud City, a gas mining colony on the nearby gas planet of Bespin, which is run by <laughs> Han's friend, Lando Calrissian. Yep. Following just behind him is a smaller ship, Joel's favorite toy, the Slave One, piloted by Fett. Is that your favorite one? It wasn't, one? Uh, it wasn't until Jedi came out. No, I uh, still say it was. Um, okay. But the... My friend had a store had a slave one. He had he had the Millennium Falcon and Slave One, and we would fly them around the living room together. That was I do remember those. I think I, I liked it because I didn't know which direction it was supposed to fly because it looked like yeah, it had the yeah. It looks like you're supposed bottom. to go this way, and then when you watch the movie, it's like it turns mm-hmm. it up. You're like, oh, okay. And I that's why I didn't like it because in X Wing it pointed in the direction it was going. Tie Fighter it points. The Slave One there's no point. <laughs> I'm nope. like I don't get this. I never wanted the toy ever. It, but I like, because every, every time I see that scene now of the garbage floating, I look to spot the Slave 1 before it shows its engines. So I'm like, I want to see how it's, how it's uh, camouflaged itself in there. And it does a really good job, because it does look like a piece of trash. That being said, I'll admit, it's a cool vehicle now, knowing what it can do. Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah. That and the uh, speeders from Return of the Jedi. That's <sighs> what... I think I just like those because we had more than one, and so we could pretend race them and put different characters on them. And the cool thing about those toys was that there was a button on the back that could explode it. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> and that was a bitch to put back together. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> Can't get my speeder together. Go outside. No. Luke has a vision of Han and Leia in danger and agony. Luke wants to rescue them, but Yoda and the ghost of Obi-Wan say, Fuck you, stay here. They'll be fine. Yeah, they might die, but they'll be fine. <laughs> uh, Luke is still susceptible to the power of temptation to the dark side. Nevertheless, Luke departs from Dagobah and promises Yoda he will return to complete his training when you're about to die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a really... I like seeing Luke, Obi-Wan, and Yoda, the final three Jedi, all together. Um, and then when it lifts off, there's an interesting back and forth between Obi-Wan and Yoda which is that now matters are worse. No, there, there is another. That's pretty cool. What's cool is how they tied it to Return of the Jedi, saying that Leia is the other one. But in this movie, it was never supposed to happen. The other was another ch- was the twin of a Luke who was placed someplace else on the planet Tatooine. I didn't know that either. And that was the other they were referring to. And he, that person was supposed to make it into Return of the Jedi. And when they decided not to do that midway through the, the production, pre-production, they were like, and Lucas was looking for another reveal. They said, let's have it be Leia. There it is. Because at the time, they didn't know who the twins were. Oh, okay. Oh, that's why the kisses were in there. There oh. you go. So um, then why hasn't Lucas fixed that since? Uh... There, I think when you look at Star Wars, Empire, and Return of the Jedi, it's like they kept making different mistakes continuity-wise, and if you change one, you got to go back and change two. And if you change one over here, it's three you got to change. And it's just became, I think it's unsurmountable at that point. Yeah, I can get that. It, it's hard to... It's, it, it's painful to watch all the little things when you've watched them in a row, one through six. Um, which is why I like episode seven so much, is because... You could start that 30 years later and not worry about continuity. Mm-hmm. Unless they were like, oh, yeah, Darth Vader, meet Anakin Skywalker. Oh, f- <laughs> 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 yeah, 
It was true. They were two different people. Son of a bitch. Damn it. <laughs> uh... Upon their arrival at Cloud City, Han's party is welcomed by Lando Calrissian. Hello. <laughs> Billy D. Williams, you smooth motherfucker. And Billy D. Williams was supposed to be Han Solo at one point. He, tr- he tried out for Han Solo and was said, uh-uh, we don't want you. After agreeing to help Han repair a ship, Lando invites him and the others to a meal where we get to, you know, kind of a neat little idea. Go have a meal with Lando Calrissian. What's the worst that could happen? A lot. C-3PO is distracted from the group when he hears the familiar beeping of an R2 unit, and you would think that a robot would understand the different beeps of different units. You'd think. But he doesn't. Nope. This is the least droidish that 3PO acts through all six movies. Yep. Entering a small room, he is suddenly confronted by an unseen person why he's in the room. Now, I don't get this scene because the voice... They never reveal who the voice is that shoots 3PO. No. Do we ever find out who actually shoots 3PO? We don't. I think some, but I think I read someplace that it is Vader that does it. Like, he sees Vader. But I feel like I read that, uh, like, not from an actual source. It was just somebody telling me. But well, somebody told me that he walks in and he sees Vader, and Vader is who blew him apart. Well, Which, that- why would Vader do that to his own creation? Or does he not even recognize it? It is C-3PO. I don't know. Well, the voice also sounds like Yoda. Who are you? I mean, mean, it doesn't sound like Yoda to me, but... It was Frank Ozzy. Oh. Would you say it was Frank Oz-ish? Okay. Frank Oz. Yeah, I was trying. I'm like, who's Frank Ozzy? Yeah, Frank... I don't know who that is. Yeah. But it's something that's never answered, and it's why I knocked this movie down a grade that I do. Uh, one One of the reasons why. There's a lot of nitpicky things that I have that have created a mountain, so I'm not all really? hailing this. Uh, a laser blast cuts 3PO down as he babbles to his attackers. Only Chewbacca is suspicious, but he arrives on the scene too late to see what happened. Shameful. Timing. Timing. Timing is a bitch. Now, in captivity, I'm sorry, when Han's party enters the dining room, they see Darth Vader. This is the first and only time Darth Vader and Han Solo are in the same room together. Is it the only time? Yes. Well, at least he didn't have to worry about his son-in-law. Hmm. They're not married. Yet. Do, are they ever? They were fr- Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Unless in the book, I haven't read Life Debt yet. Yes, she refers to him as husband in Life Debt. Okay. Yeah. So they, are, so long they, they are confirmed. Okay. Marriage exists. As apparently hell does, too. We hear that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll see you in hell. What other sure. religions are there in the Star Wars universe? Uh-huh. Um, which makes it makes you wonder, like, if hell exists, then is it the version of hell that we are accustomed to on Earth, or is there a force hell? No, they say if they didn't just say that God created this universe. Ah, but all the universes. Look at that little theology practice for us all. Um, when Hans part, okay, so they are captured by Darth Vader along with Boba Fett, who just tracked them to Cloud City. Uh, Lando insists he was forced to conspire with the Empire to prevent them from invading and occupying the city. Lando's a dick now, but yeah, you kind of understand why. Yep, I guess. I mean, turn over four people you never, well, one guy you haven't seen in years, uh, to save an entire city of people that he thinks he's going to do. He doesn't know how Darth Vader re- does things. It's pretty dickish. He's yeah. 
But he had a grudge against Han. Yeah, he took his Falcon. Yep. I think that he was trying to get back at Han, and but didn't realize the magnitude of what his actions were going to cause. Yeah. Because you can see it on his face later that he kind of regrets. Not regrets, but he's understanding what he actually did. This deal is getting worse all the time. There it is. Yes. Um, in captivity, Han is tortured to lure Luke to the city. Chewbacca is also tortured in his holding cell by an amplified screeching sound. Vader orders a carbon freezing chamber prepared to freeze Luke, which will hold him in suspended animation for transport to the Emperor. The process is tested on Captain Solo. As Han is lowered into the machine, Leia declares her love for him. And he says, I know. Yes. Baller. (laughs) <laughs> it is great and the fact that they ad-libbed it that day is even awesomer i didn't realize that yeah that they they worried over and over uh how they were going to shoot that scene because they didn't know what they wanted han to say and han during a break just said that and they kept it that's perfect because the, the actual writers the script writers didn't know what they wanted han to say and so during a take he just said i know and that's the take that stayed in the film mm-hmm. that's perfect uh he is frozen in carbonite and alive in hibernation and handed over to Boba Fett, who intends to return his quarry to Jabba the Hutt for a large reward. Uh, which he better be alive. He's no good to him. Dead. Yeah, really. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, does Boba Fett know who Darth Vader is? No, not from the comics, not from anything that we have seen. Does he know who he is? Because with his now vengeance Bo- against the Jedi, you now would Boba think Fett should know who Luke is, because he searched for him. Yes, yes. But I'm wondering, like, if he knew about Anakin, because his vengeance towards Jedi, I thought, got softened in Clone Wars, because after the whole arc where he's chasing after Mace Windu and all that stuff, his animosity towards Jedi, I think, is checked a little bit. So I don't think Boba has the blind rage that he would. Okay. If that's where you were going for, like, wondering why doesn't he have a thing for Vader. Well, why doesn't he cut down Vader when he's standing behind him all the time? Well, I don't think he could. I think Vader would instantly sense as soon as he was about to do it. Yeah. Um... Meanwhile, Luke lands at Cloud City and is lured into the carbon freezing chamber. Uh, Luke meets Vader, and a ferocious lightsaber fight ensues. Finally, a good one. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good lightsaber battle, yeah. And we can see Luke's learned a few tricks. He has. And Vader has learned how to jump off of a stairwell with uh, lines attached to him. You can see the wires when he hops down. (laughs) Yep. Uh, This is a pretty badass fight because it starts off Vader toying with him. Yep. He literally is doing it with one arm behind his back. Yep. <laughs> Just boom, boom, one arming it. And when he sees that looks a little bit better than normal, he, he starts to bring it back up. He gets invested. He is his progeny. Well, and that's the thing. I, I think you can only push your father so far before he's going to be like, okay, now I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Vader and Luke. Oh, no, I'm sorry. As he heads down a dark hallway, Vader ambushes him, stepping out of a doorway and swinging his lightsaber down. Vader and Luke's fierce lightsaber duel brings them to a narrow platform above the city's central air shaft. And if there's something we learned from episode seven, if you walk out onto a, a platform with no, uh, you're going to fall. No fencing. Someone's going to die. The dark Lord corners Luke on a catwalk, threatening him. You are beaten. It is useless to resist. I, I, I want to do this whole scene. 
<laughs> it's so good. This is a great. I have nothing negative to say about this scene. This scene was shot perfectly. In Luke, it's just sad. It's sad because there's so many things happening in this. One of which is that Vader is calm and Luke is anger. And he's anger, but he's also fear. Yeah, he is genuinely terrified. Because he's realizing, shit, I shouldn't have come here. And does he, let's see, he gets his arm cut off. or His hand cut his off. His hand cut off. And what Luke does next, he, he goes across that really thin part yep. with no hand. And I'm sitting there going, I, I'm throwing up right now because <laughs> I can't deal with heights. Because he's putting, <laughs> I can't deal with heights, but he's also putting pain on that stump. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yes. Like, I forgot about like, that. Like he's, he's putting pressure on that stump where he just lost his hand yeah i uh, and then vader just pleads with him like okay kid now that we're done Uh, i know i'm your dad yeah (laughs) please don't die luke resumes the fight vader cuts an instrument panel apart as luke unwittingly glances at it vader slashes off luke's right hand at the wrist disabling him and sending luke's lightsaber tumbling into the huge shaft actually sent his own lightsaber into the shaft yes he did he did no idea he was doing that yep or did he? Ooh. Uh, with Luke cornered and defenseless, Vader informs Luke that he does not yet know the truth about his father. Luke claims that Vader killed him, and Vader answers, No, I am your father. Yes. Always like, misquoted. Exactly. So misquoted, but it's no, I am your father. And Luke screams in denial. I mean, people mock it, but that is a genuine, honest, yeah. guttural scream. Yeah, it's like, like Anakin no, right. on the side I think when he got burned up. I think it's fantastic how that was shot and the just the humanness of that. Because yeah, it's hard to watch, but in real that, life, it would be, be hard, hard to, to watch. watch. Yeah, And this is something that this movie does brilliantly, and that is when a reveal is done, in a lot of movies, the character takes five minutes and then moves on. And this, Luke is changed for the rest of the entire episode. Yep. Because he can't function. He's freaking out. He doesn't know what to do with himself. There's no, okay, let's just fight these guys off. He's like, I got to deal with some shit. Yeah. Um, it's very human. And Luke makes a decision. Rather than join the dark side, he's going to destroy himself. Yeah. Because he doesn't know that Chef's going to take him into a hole and say, No, he doesn't. He thinks he's committing. Yeah, he thinks he's killing himself. Yeah. Uh, He would rather die than join him. In free fall, Luke is sucked into an air vent, which apparently was the sound effect was done, which is using a vacuum and just putting your hand on top of the vacuum. Nice. Yeah. Save money. (laughs) Ben Burt. Shoots out the underbelly of the floating city. And lands on an antenna hanging beneath, which had to hurt like hell. Oh, yes. Like, ugh. Luke tries to pull, some, pull himself back up into the exhaust pipe with only one hand, but he's got no strength left, and he's unable to pull himself up, and the hatch just closes above his head, trapping him on the weather vane. This is the one that made me sick because oh, really? of my fear of heights. Okay. Oh, my God. This scene makes me feel... I feel so nauseous watching this scene. Yeah. He pleads for help from Ben, but the old Jedi Knight will not appear. Luke then attempts to reach out to Leia using the Force. And Leia senses him. Makes you wonder. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. First of all, how did he know Leia was on the Falcon? Does he actually, does he call for the Falcon? He just no, Leia, he doesn't. Right? He's just searching for Leia. Okay. Yeah. Why not Han? Oh. 
Because he feels an emotional connection to Leia. She did kiss him off after all. Yeah, but Han has saved his ass twice. This would be number three for him. True. Then they're just at, then that just proves that they are related. You feel that the twins they feel weird things. So maybe the first thing that he thought about unconsciously, subconsciously, unconsciously, he yes. was he was awake, subconsciously <laughs> was Leia. It was all a dream. It was all R two and Jar Jar's dream. Yep. <laughs> I wish that I could have watched this movie with like fresh eyes, like no background knowledge at all. Yeah. Because the people that saw this movie in theaters the first time, their minds must have been blown. To be oh, getting yeah. all of this at once. Yeah. But the first time I saw this, I knew that, oh, Darth Vader's the father. If you want to see some great reactions, pull up YouTube and watch parents showing their kids it for the first time. Yeah. I'm going gonna, gonna to videotape my son whenever he watches it for the first time. Yeah. It's awesome. Because these kids have these look look-alike. God, this is... What? One kid looks at their father like, are you like this? <laughs> I think it was just like, even before seeing it for the first time, I'd heard the quote, I am your father, I am your father. So yeah. going into the first movie, I think I already knew. Yeah. On the Millennium Falcon, Leia senses Luke's distress through the Force and orders Lando to pilot them, pilot them back to Cloud City. Lando protests immediately, but Chewbacca's roar convinces him to do so. As they approach the bottom of the city, Lando spots Luke hanging onto the weather vane and opens the Falcon's outer hatch. Luke falls off the weather vane, and Lando pulls him in just as the three TIE fighters from the Executor appear. So apparently they still have carabiners in Star Wars. That's true. That's good. Yeah. And start a rapid pursuit. As they leave Cloud City, they are pursued by Darth Vader's flagship. R2-D2, who discovered that the hyperdrive was merely deactivated while searching the city's central computer, because you don't stick your dick where it doesn't belong. That's true. But when he sticks it in, he fixes everything. Well, he sticks it in here, reactivates the hyperdrive, and, and it the shoots off into space. <laughs> <laughs> in white light. R2's wiener strikes again. <laughs> Aboard the flagship, Vader walks away silently. Brooding. Oh, God. Brooding. If you are the deck officer to have to approach him. Deck officer. <laughs> deck officer. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, right after that scene, somebody going, oh, we got a problem with the computer. Can you tell Lord Vader? Fuck you. Did you see just what happened? <laughs> You go tell him. <laughs> Everything's working perfectly. He'll figure it out himself later. Yeah. In the final scene, the fugitive and defeated rebel fleet has assembled in a point beyond the galaxy to decide their next move. Aboard a rebel medical frigate, Luke is fitted with an artificial hand as Lando and Chewbacca set out in the Falcon to locate Han Solo. You checking your hand? By the way, that <laughs> hand looks amazing. It does look amazing, and I do that every time. Yeah. Every time I watch that scene, I tap my pinky, tap my fingers. Which makes you wonder, in episode seven, he's got his little claw hand again. What happened to all the skin? It must have peeled off or burned off, and he wasn't able to make it back to a medical frigate. Perhaps. What do you think he knew about the back of his hand? Again, I don't know how to describe it. Which is, but the, apparently I know it really well. <laughs> which one is the back of our hand? This, the, the, now I'm really confused because I was going to say, well, this is the front, but that's the inside of your hand, right? Yeah, inside. the outside and the inside. Outside. Son so of we, a bitch. So we don't even have a back of our hand. For decades, people have been misquoting something. You may have just solved English. You can write to us at the movie playground. Uh, <laughs> All donations are accepted. Uh, should we mention that Lando's wearing Han's clothes? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, he's got a drawer of the same vest and the same shirt and the same pants. I'm pretty sure he just took something out of the out of closet. I mean, he is wearing exactly Han's clothes. Yeah, he is. Maybe that's just like the aviator's apparel, like in black vest, yeah, button down blue. Like, blue military pants. has flight. We jackets. don't know what color his pants are. We never see his pants. We see them in Return of the Jedi because he's still wearing the fucking things. No, he's wearing the the gar the what call it garb when he's falling down that pit. Yeah, yep, uh, but he's wearing those blue pants. I'll have to watch. I'm not entirely sure I believe you. I feel the conflict within you. Let go of your hate. No hate. I'm just not sure I believe you. Luke and Leia watch the ship speed off toward the galaxy. Brother and sister, we don't know it yet. Well, we know it. No, They don't know it yet. A couple of droids, a galaxy ahead of them. Hope is on the horizon. Yeah. That's not the feeling I leave That's with. not the feeling I leave with either. <laughs> I feel like, shit, and, life sucks. And that's the end of the movie. So, JC, <laughs> after you watch this, what do you think? <laughs> I honest, and I even wrote it. Well, that's over. Yay, Return of the Jedi. Oh, God. I yeah. do, I can't, I can't end with, I have to put Return of the Jedi in because I literally just am down. I, like, it's not happy. None of that is happy. Yay, drama. Drama is what wins Academy Awards. Drama is what makes people feel. We shouldn't be happy about things. Yeah, I I feel like most people that say that Empire Strikes Back is the best one forget that the entire end of the movie is depressing. And so let's cheer depression because we need conflict to have resolution. I get that. It doesn't make it the best one. Joel, what did you think after watching the movie? I'm, I'm, not, I'm still going to say it's not the best one. It was better than I remembered it. There was a lot of good to it that I had kind of dismissed before. Yeah. I believe it's the most quotable one I would out agree of the original. With that. If not out of all six or seven right now. Yeah. It's the most quotable one. And when I watch movies, I look for quotability. That's why <laughs> it's high up there, is it? That's why I stick, it matters. <laughs> that's why I stick to comedy. Because yeah. when I was in high school and college, me and my friends, a lot of our dialogue just one-on-one was movie quotes mm-hmm. because we could just make each other laugh by association. And... After watching this, I was able to pick a lot of good out of it. There was, I was able to pick more good than I thought I was. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. Um, yeah, the first time I met you and your friends uh, was at a bar, and you guys spent 10 minutes quoting Grandma's Boy. Uh, Grandma's <laughs> We should do Grandma's Boy. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Oh, it's awesome. It's, uh, okay. it's a video it is, game movie. You'd love it. It is a, it's not based on a video game. It's a, it's a cult Classic, I guess, if you would call it. That. I would say it's a cult classic. Yes, it is a. It was one of Happy Madison's first uh, children, and it's just a terrible. It's not a good movie. Not by any stretch of the imagination, but it's it's amazingly funny. It is amazingly funny, and it is super quotable. But Yoda gets a lot of credit in this movie for his quotability. But I think Han. I think this is one of the better Han movies. Yeah, when you said that earlier, this is the Han movie. Yeah, yeah. but his quotes are so good, scruffy looking. Nerf uh, herder. Yeah. So good. Who's scruffy looking? I think the reason, when I first, I'm, after watching this, I'm, again, I'm, I'm like you. I'm like, okay, bring on Return of the Jedi. And the reason why, though, is because the stories link up so seamlessly. If you made them one big ass movie, it would work. It, w- mm-hmm. it would work to a point. Um, we don't know how much time passes in between A New Hope and this movie. We don't know how much time passes between Empire and Return of the Jedi. Uh, that being said, 
I, there's so much that I love about this movie because it takes what you knew about Star Wars in 1977 and it expands the universe now to there is an entire religious portion. There is an, and it's a reintroduction to this Jedi thing that we saw in Revenge of the Sith and we were left behind in, in episode four. Yep. So it brings it all back. And it does so in a very medial way because as the viewer, you are also in that position. Do I think this is the best of the, of the three, the, the original three? I do. Only because I think when we, get to, when we get to Jedi, there's a lot of things that work, but there's 45 minutes of that movie you could take out and nothing would change. You could take the entire Jabba scene out. Oh, it's nothing. such a good scene, though. It, again, you could take that scene out and it has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. Except how do you get Han back? You just saying that you can put in the credits. Once, once Lando has uh, picked up Han, here's where our heroes are. You literally could do that. You could, but just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Okay. Well, then, and we'll get, to we return, we'll get to return next week because I'm going to get into the fact that it's the worst fucking plan on the planet. Worst fucking plan on the planet. Yeah, Luke's plan to save Han is the worst conceived plan ever in Star Wars. And we'll get into that at that point. There's a lot of plans in Star Wars. The, the Death Star plan. This movie has to be that down note to uplift you in Return of the Jedi. And so it serves a great purpose in that way. That's great. Just because... But oh, I, you, I, you, this is my turn. <laughs> in that sense, if Lucas knew what the hell he was doing movie to movie, Return of the Jedi should be the best movie. Because he set it up here, it booms out here. Excellent. So that's why, for me, it's the best one because I think he dropped the ball a little bit in Return of the Jedi. We'll get there. We'll get there, and you can slap me around. It's all right. No, I wouldn't do that to you. Uh, I don't want to get R2-D2 all over your face. Again, another guy (laughs) doesn't even be in episode one, two, or three. (laughs) If the only goofy character in one, two, and three was Jar Jar, no one would complain. But you had to have 3PO acting like a bucker the entire time, and yet had R2-D2 offering nothing except for an escape, which you didn't even need him for. Why is this coming up now, but it never came up when we actually talked about those Because I'm just realizing it today. I was like, you could take R2 and C-3PO out of that, and it would make those movies so much more serious. Well, if you take them out of it, no one's going to see Christensen. He's not bringing anyone to the theaters. Uh, all right. Okay, so, so who is the audience for this movie? Completionists. I don't think so. I think this is this movie is for adults. It is an adult movie. Yes, that's what I wrote. I said adults or individuals that can understand parallels. Yeah, because <laughs> I didn't like so anybody that can drive. Yes. Yeah. Like if you get parallel lines, you're good. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this movie. You don't sit your kids down and go, okay, watch this on your own. You have to sit there with them and explain, explain, right. explain. Yeah, there's out. a lot of parent parental help with this one. Yeah. Okay, movie report card? B. Wow. For as much as you don't like this movie, you're giving it a B. It's, I, I said I hate it of the Star Wars ones. Is it, is it your least favorite of them? Yes. Well, like, you've, you've graded ones lower than that. Yeah, but it's quotable. See, when I did my count, I, I came up with B. So, do you so, want to change any? You, I think it's no, Star Wars at a C. No, I had Star Wars at a B plus. Was it? He says that it's his least favorite movie. He doesn't say that it is the worst movie. 
He doesn't like watching it. What's the difference? But he's, <laughs> well, because I'll, I will say that something's a very good TV show. Like Attack of the Clones. I won't watch it. Attack of the Clones is a pretty bad movie. I think I rated that like C or something, so it is clearly worse. Okay. But I would rather watch Attack of the Clones than watch this one. Is it because be- I'm not depressed at the end of Attack of the Clones? How can you not be? It's in the same exact spot. Everything is turning to shit. The galaxy's at war. There is no hope. Dude just no. married somebody outside the Jedi Order. This is a bad place to be. No. Yes, it is. I don't get that sense. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just... It's like... Gosh. There was a wedding. That's happy. They just built a really big army that looks really cool. That's cool. <laughs> No, everything everything's cool at the end of Attack of the Clones. It, no, it's I mean, not. I mean, war is not a good thing. But it, well, that's a big thing, don't you think? Yeah. Galactic war is about to happen. Yeah, but if you just take the movies, I mean, it's over by the time Episode Three comes around, so that's not so bad. I just. <laughs> <laughs> Joel, what do you give this one? <laughs> I give it a B plus. Okay. Go B plus. Okay. It is above average. The only reason that, the only reason I give it a grade, a degree below A New Hope, is because I don't leave this movie feeling good about myself. There are movies that I refuse to watch twice because I just don't like the way I feel at the end. The first and the middle part can be amazing. If I don't like how it ends, I just won't watch it again. Yeah. This one's a little bit better because it ties a lot of stuff in. It is necessary. This is a movie you have to see. And it's good. It's well shot. It's well acted. It's a good movie. I just I agree with Joel. I don't like how I feel at the end of it. It's too much mental stress. Well, I would, I would be, rather skip it. Maybe that's how you're supposed to feel at the end of this movie. You're not supposed to feel good. So watch it once. No, you're not going to feel good. And then always skip it every time that you watch it afterwards. Well, if you're reading a book that you've read before, have you ever read books twice? I read books, reread Okay, books. do you skip chapters because it doesn't make you feel okay? Yes, I do. Oh, you p- I do. Come on! I totally do. No, you don't! I do. Oh, my God! No! As, ask my wife. If I'm rewatching a movie I've seen and I don't like the scenes in it, oh I, sk- I skip the scenes. No, you... I can't believe it! I do. I've done that. I do. No, you... Oh, you Benedict <laughs> Arnold's! No! Oh. No, the entire... I, I totally skip scenes that I don't like or that make me feel uncomfortable. I skip them to get to the to the parts that I enjoy. Again, I'm doing this to enjoy myself. If I'm not going to enjoy it, why suffer through it once I've already seen it once? Joel. The entire scene in Caddyshack where Noonan and the judge's niece get together in his bed. Yeah. I skip that every time because it has nothing to do with the movie because you can go right from where Carl goes on the... Goes with the judge on the golf course. <laughs> then it's just this entire unnecessary chapter. And but when you skip over it, it you open right up with the judge with Judge Smales catching them, and you don't need the scene at all. You don't. It was the eighties putting in Thanks. a sexy scene to keep viewers. But at now, once I was a kid, you know, you watch it. Now I know what happens. I skip over it every time. Yeah, because it's just it saves me. Eight minutes. And and where it's really bad for me is like crime dramas or thriller dramas where like there's the uncomfortable where you're not sure if they're going to make it. Once I know they're going to make it, I just skip through all of those stressful scenes. Okay. Uh-huh. So for, for me, <laughs> I, okay, I had, <laughs> I had this movie as an A. Then I watched it again this morning and 
if I'm going to be as honest as possible with how this fits in the whole trilogy, how it fits in the whole story, all six movies, seven movies now, I think this movie is a victim of what happens in Return of the Jedi. And it's a victim of being bookended with Star Wars and that it doesn't, there's continuity issues with Star Wars, the original. And the payoff you get in Return of the Jedi doesn't match the awful feeling you have at the end of this movie. I agree with that. And I'm a fan of the three-act structure in that the second one, you put them in the worst possible position, and then the third act, they find their way out of it. They put them in the worst possible position. You're supposed to feel that way, but you're also supposed to watch this as like movie, 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 movie. Not movie, take a week. Movie, take a week. And so our format that we do here is not conducive to how this series is supposed to be watched. No. It's a lot like when you watch Lord of the Rings. You don't just sit down and go, oh, let's watch Two Towers. You can't. You got to watch all three. Okay? And don't say you got to watch all six, because I'm sorry the Hobbit movies are not as good as Lord of the Rings. No, I I watch... Oh, shit. I just touched a nerve. I... hmm. (laughs) Try to be careful on how I word it. Should we do Lord of the Rings at some point? (laughs) I've always said this, and I love the Hobbit movies. I think that the Hobbit movies are more fun to watch. I won't say that they're better movies. I say they're fun, more fun to watch. I, Just like maybe Return of the Jedi may not be the better movie, but it is more fun to watch. I will agree with that. Return of the Jedi is fun to watch. And the um, Hobbit movies are more fun to watch than the original Lord of the Rings. I agree. I completely agree. I'm 100%. not saying that. So unlike the Empire Strikes Back, we will, we will leave on that positive note. So, wait, wait, no, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I am giving this movie a B plus. Uh-huh. Uh, which is, I think that's the highest grade I've given a Star Wars movie so far. Yep. Um, and that's the reason why, is because the way that it's structured, if Lucas was doing these three movies, episode, uh, episode four, five, and six today, I guarantee you this movie would probably be the least changed of the three. I agree. And that's why it is the best one of the three, is because it, it fits needs the best. least changes. It fits the best with the prequels. Okay. That being said, I can't give it anything higher than a B plus. And it makes it hard because as I was looking at my grades that I've given these movies, the highest grade I give is actually in episode seven when I give it an A. Yeah, and I was also thinking about it when I was doing this, and episode seven will probably get my highest grade too. And it's weird because I don't feel right doing that because nostalgically, this it, is this is the holy grail of movies right but here. But when you watch them, yeah. Episode seven's removed enough that you can mess with the continuity and still be okay. You could start fresh, and they did very well doing that. This movie is a victim of the times, I think, and yep. what was going on. Especially when you look at them all together. But a B plus is still above average. It's close to that superstar spot. Uh, it's just not there. not quite there based on the entire storyline. Well, that's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and help the show get on its feet with a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at movieplanetpod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and Sound J Music for providing our intro music and our ending music. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. <laughs>